This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Before we get into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wandry people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders past and present and to the next generation we hope to create a different future for. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to your Ingle Company's Founder Series. I'm Maddie Guest and as always, I'm in some very good company with my co-host, Sophie Dicker. Today we have the second part of our Kate Morris Founder Series. It was like such a long, incredible chat and we were like, we have to cut this up into two parts. Yeah, we didn't want to take any out, so you get all of it over two weeks. (laughs) So let's jump into part two. I want to talk about Glow. Yeah. Can you, before we get too much into it, Glow is a private equity firm. Yes. For those who don't know what that means. Sure. Can you give us a quick rundown? Uh, Well, the short version of it is basically a private equity firm invests in private companies. So companies that are not on the stock market and basically, yes, a private equity firm will buy a chunk of the shares and typically, typically more than just a little bit. So for instance... Um, you know, with a public company, you might be able to buy, you know, a, like a big stake in a public, public company might be one or two yep. percent. Uh, private equity will typically buy a bigger chunk and they will typically be more active in those investments. Yeah. And so, again, this, there's a whole bunch of different sort of styles of private equity, uh, which range from anything to kind of, you know, taking a company that's failing and either turning it around or kind of selling it off for parts. Or they can be, you know, sort of more up the the growth equity, which is partnering with a business that's growing to help it grow faster, and then typically either yes, exit their stake within a within a particular time frame. So look to you know to either sell the business or sell their share in it. Why did you jump into the private equity realm? Excellent question. <laughs> uh, look, I've been I'd been sort of investing privately, um, you know, and then just by myself in a few, um, I guess, kind of purpose-led consumer brands has sort of been my wheelhouse over the last few years. And and I'd also been doing quite a lot of mentoring, so like through the Startmate Accelerator and then just a little bit more informally with some other, um, you know, founders that that I knew. Uh, and, and for starters, I get, like, I get a lot of joy about from being able to help other founders achieve yeah. their dreams like it's that really to be able to leverage my <laughs> 23 odd years of experience which was all you know sort of very hard fought and and to be able to to turn that experience into something that's can be useful not just for me but for for others um and maybe to make their journey perhaps a little easier or to help you know them learn from my mistakes without having to make them themselves uh yeah just really makes me happy makes me feel useful and and yes, and I'd also been doing some investing as well. So I'm an investor in heaps normal, um, 
Quadlock uh, Milk Drop, which is a company that's reinventing the breast pump, um, who gives a crap, the toilet mm. paper uh, brand. So, and, you know, at the same time, this has sort of been happening in parallel in terms of partnering with Quadrant Growth Fund. Yeah. Uh, so that's a private equity firm that bought a stake in Adore Beauty a few years ago. Uh, and I guess and prior to that had done the experience of sort of going around and pitching a whole bunch of sort of potential private equity partners and really observed that for starters, there are not many women in private equity in Australia and I think that's actually just an opportunity that's being missed. Uh, so half the time I was kind of pitching to rooms full of finance bros in suits who just had no idea. Buy my beauty company. <laughs> well, uh, that's right. And they, they sort of, they, they, you know, they couldn't understand a lot of the things that motivated the consumer. And, uh, and, and to me, it was sort of obvious that, you know, given the fact that uh, there's also a whole lot of data around how underinvested women founders are. Mm. And, and it's just like, it feels like there's, feels like there's an opportunity here. And I also felt that there was also really an opportunity for, a growth partner that actually had experienced themselves. I think it was very different running, you know, uh, like a finance <laughs> um, investing function than it is to run and like to, to actually build an actual business from scratch and, you know, deal with all of the staff problems and mm. and logistics and, and all of those sorts of things. You know, operational experience is actually pretty thin on the ground yeah. in terms of um, these investment firms. And so I think it was, it was kind of, you know, me wanting to build the growth partner that I had wished was there mm. for, for Adore Beauty and that I knew that other founders I spoke to were also looking for. So it's who who understands what the entrepreneurial journey really looks like, who can actually help founders achieve their dreams rather than them just going, oh, look, nobody here gets what I'm trying to do. I'm just going to have to go it alone and, and all that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, and I guess I teamed up with Justin Ryan, who I'd, I'd gotten to work with um, through Quadrant Growth at, at Adore Beauty. He and I always just really got on famously and um, super-duper experienced. Like he's been in private equity for, I don't know, 22 years and, and sort of has that that experience that I don't have and I guess mm. I have the founder experience that he doesn't have. Both of us have operational experience as well. And, yeah, thought, okay, what is what is the thing that's missing? What is the thing that, that you know, Australian businesses need? Uh, and so, yeah, Glow, Glow Capital was born. It's a great why to have, I think, because, I mean, the start has come up a few times over the past few weeks when we've been recording this episode around, you know, it's 1% or 2% of funding goes to female founders yeah. in Australia or in the world. And yeah. I think I heard you tell a story about when you were raising with Adore and um, a comment that you got a lot from investors was around, well, what's stopping Amazon from from sort of, you know, beating yeah. you or taking you over? And I think that was such a classic one because, yeah, for, for me listening, I'm like, Adore's so different. Like, yeah. of course, Amazon's not really a competitor yeah. because you have so much more to offer. But I think you know, to a room full of male investors, I can see how they don't get it. Because well, they, they? <laughs> they don't use, they don't, they don't buy the product. So how, how would they understand? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what does the investment thesis, like the typical investment thesis, look like then for companies that you're will, wanting to invest in? Does it align yep. to your conscious consumer, like your personal conscious consumer type companies that you were previously looking at privately? Yes and no, although not not exclusively. So. F- a big part of the thesis for Glow Capital is that 
brand um, and having a really authentic and cut through brand is a sustainable competitive advantage that's really difficult to replicate Mm. uh, and is the sort of thing that allows a company to navigate through you know, changes in paid performance marketing and, and you know, iOS changes and algorithms and all of those sorts of things is that fundamentally a brand is the emotional connection um, between, you know, a business and its customers and that's something that matters um, and is valuable and also something that we felt that other firms didn't, that what they were maybe a little bit frightened of because mm. it's a hard thing to kind of quantify on a spreadsheet or yes. a financial <laughs> model. It's like, no, no, you, you can't. You can't use your brain to see a brand. You have to, you know, there's there's a heartbeat to an authentic brand. And, and I guess I've seen consumer brands come across my desk for, you know, kind of every day for the last 23 years. And you do, you know, you get an instinct for it. And, yeah. um, you know, and Justin had worked with, you know, invested in a lot of brand-based businesses as well. So, um, so that's a big part of our thesis. At uh, the stage that we invest at is more of a breakout growth stage. So you've got you've got a proven business model. There's some good profitability, but there's an opportunity to grow even faster. Um, or perhaps there's also a you know a succession plan that needs to be worked through. Some of the businesses that we talk to, maybe they've been going for, you know like a door. They've been going for you know ten or fifteen years, and Perhaps the founders don't want to be the CEO anymore or perhaps they need, you know, that next level of talent to sort of come into the business to take it to the next level or maybe there's an opportunity to accelerate a global strategy that needs some cash but also some experience. And so it's about for the founders, they've got something that works, they've got an opportunity to really take a leap uh, to the next stage of growth but that stage needs to be de-risked. And mm. so part of the de-risking might be the founders taking some money off the table themselves. Maybe it's about us helping them get the right talent into the business that gives them the level of experience that they're missing or, you know, or it's our experience that we can bring to bear at a board level. Uh, so it's it's thinking about, yeah, how do they take that next, that next step? And Glow has made, is it one investment so far? We have not yet made our first okay. investment. We have a few things on the go. Very exciting. But uh, watch this space. Obviously, the last year in the market's been yeah pretty interesting. Mm. Um, so it's it's a time that we've used to get to know a few businesses quite quite well. And yeah, I think we've looked at I don't know two hundred and sixty odd businesses wow. in the last year. So it's um, you know, put together an incredible team. Actually, all of our investment team are women. Amazing. So good. That's Which, awesome. Yes. Yeah, so we have minimum 50% women at all yeah. levels of the firm. So from investment committee um, all the way down. I wonder if there wouldn't be many PA funds out there that are all women investors, would there? There aren't any in yeah. Australia. Wow. I'm aware of. Isn't that a shocking statistic? Like private equity. Change. Private equity in Australia in terms of women in actual sort of decision-making positions, deciding where the money goes, is at 3%. Yeah. It's been at 3% since 2008 and it hasn't moved. That's insane. Glow Capital changing the game. Yeah. <laughs> so, look. <laughs> that up no, your I think, it's, I think it is true, though, because even just you in the position that you're in, there's going to be a lot of young women that look up to that and say, hey, that's what you're doing, that's your role, that's something I could actually think about doing. I think a lot of the private equity world is very mystified 
to yeah, say like people don't scary. know what you do like what people do in PE and like what's investing money in private companies so I think like having females in that role to be able to talk about it and talk about how interesting it is and yeah. like it can align with your values and I think that's a really important part of getting more women into the kind of PE space. Oh 100% agree and the thing that really excites me is when you start to see you know very high profile women like in the US so we just had Venus Williams join a PE firm yeah. uh, before that Kim Kardashian yeah, yeah. so it's like <laughs> what doesn't she do? <laughs> well, look, you know, she is a smart businesswoman and she yeah. she definitely has a sense for, you know, for brand and she she has influence and so I think that's really exciting when we see, you know, women of real influence. Yeah. starting to impact um, those decisions about where the money goes. So now for yourself, you've mm-hmm. been on both sides of the table. You've mm-hmm. been on the side where you have raised capital for Adore Beauty yep. and now you are on the other side of the table where you're sure. actually putting capital into businesses. Yep. Do you have any tips for founders that are looking to raise capital, you know, that you could pass on from having that experience of being on both sides? Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let where me just get to the... Shall we? Yeah, okay. So where do I start? Definitely the thing that I'll, I'll say at the moment, I was talking with some, some women founders yesterday who are looking to do their first raise um, and they were, looking to do, they were looking to do quite a big one on some, you know, some projects that were new. Um, and the advice that I gave them is that right now, uh, for any kind of consumer-facing business, it is really hard yeah. to raise money, um, particularly for new initiatives where there's, you know, investors will want to go. Well, how do I know this is going to work? You want to break into a new country? Show me your evidence that that there's, you know, that there's even that you even know how to do it. Mm. Um, and so I guess the advice that I gave them is that there are there are other paths to getting where you want to go and they don't necessarily all like all look like doing a big equity raise um right at the moment that's you know trying to raise equity is very expensive Mm. um particularly if you need the money this this is always (laughs) the worst thing the worst thing is that the easiest way to raise money is to not need to raise money and then people will be throwing it at you but if you need to raise it then that's actually (laughs) which is annoying right um (laughs) But yes, but the advice that I gave them is that, look, you know, you're going to need to show that these things work and that they're scalable and then that conversation will be much easier to have and to show that your business can grow at a time when, um, you know, when interest rates are going up and consumers might be tightening their spending. If you can prove that you can continue to go through that, then this is this is a much easier conversation to have. So I would say right now, I said if there's any way that you can avoid needing to raise money for at least another six months, whether that be you know, doing a very small, you know, friends and family kind of safe note or whether it's through other forms of funding. So there's kind of revenue-based borrowing that that you can do, you know, if, if if you're a profitable business and that's, you know, it's not cheap money but it's cheaper than giving away equity yeah. uh, at this point. So I guess, yes, my advice is always don't raise anything that you don't need, um, particularly, particularly now. I think, you know, a couple of years ago it was getting money was easy and yeah. cheap and it just isn't anymore and so it's it's kind of back to again you know the basics of get your unit economics right um create a business model that works 
so that you know that, you know, you kind of know what your return cycle on that capital is going to be. You know how long it's going to take you um, to get that return on investment and then you can make really smart and sensible decisions about how you raise. Um, I also think the really important thing, I see a lot of founders get very caught up in, you know, issues like control and issues like valuations. Yeah. And to some extent, the thing that I think you should be more should be more worried about is do you have like a values and objectives alignment with your potential investor? Mm. Um, which to my way of thinking is much more important and certainly in my experience is much more important that everybody is on the same page about where you are trying to get to and how you're going to get there and what you're willing to do and not do Mm. in order to get there Mm. Um, because it really is, it's kind of like a marriage (laughs) and... (laughs) You spend all day talking with them. (laughs) If things go badly or or if things hit the fan, you want to know that these people that you're working with, um, you know, are not going to ditch you or, you know, start trying to make you run your business in a way that's not aligned with your values or, you know, like I've just, I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of bad things Mm. happen where people just kind of took whatever money they could get from whoever they could get. And I think who you take the money from is actually really important. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As someone who's never been a part of this process before, is there sort of space in the process of raising money and talking to investors to have all of these conversations? There should be. Yeah. And if there isn't. It's a red flag. That in itself is a red flag. Yeah, People don't want to, you know, they don't want to talk about the relationship. Yeah. yeah. Maybe um, you don't want their money. Maybe <laughs> that's not the thing that's, that you know, maybe that's not good. And I know that's, and that's really hard to think about it objectively in that mm. way when particularly, you know, if you have this burning desire in, you know, to to solve this problem or to build this thing and to make it happen and you can see that, oh, maybe here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity where I could make it happen. Yeah, it's got some red flags in it, but I'm sure it'll be fine. Yes, I've seen a lot of people have to sort of give up on their dreams because Mm. their cap table's essentially been ruined by someone who, you know, will block further capital raising or will, you know, want things to be done in a particular way that is not aligned with where the founder wants to go and... And that's really hard because there's no way to fix it or it's really hard to fix. I think that's a great little nugget of information because often we speak about, you know, the finance side or the money side of a capital raise, but really it's a people, like there's a massive human people people. element. Yeah. In the end, it's all just people. Mm. And yeah, regardless of how good the valuation is or, or all of those kinds of things, it's if there's not that alignment or you can't trust them, I wouldn't. Don't raise. <laughs> no. How did you upskill yourself in this space? Do you have any resources that you would recommend for learning more about this world? Oh gosh, um, <laughs> I just <laughs> I 
I did it my usual way, which is you know, start in the deep end. Yeah. Uh, Go back to the library, here. get yeah. well, how to look, cap- capital Honestly, raise. I mean, there's so many podcasts and blogs and books and, and, and everything about investing. Like, honestly, huge numbers, huge mm. amounts of resources. I mean, if you want to learn to sort of become an investor, then there's there's some really interesting courses. I did one at um, Wade Institute at Melbourne Uni called VC Catalyst, hmm. uh, which teaches you about, you know, the business of sort of VC and angel investing. And um, and that was that was really interesting. Oh, there's some good books. There's one there's, there's one by Jason Calacanis, who is who is a bit of a character called um called angel but that's that's look it's an entertaining read there's heaps there's heaps and heaps and heaps out there um I actually think Twitter is a really good place to have a lot of those discussions like I know that's not you know necessarily for the cool kids but um Twitter I feel like I feel like Twitter is for the cool kids and I'm not on Twitter I don't know how it works (laughs) but it seems like a cool place (laughs) look it's an interesting place at the moment since um since our friend Mr Musk brought it but uh I've actually made a lot of really interesting networks and connections through Twitter yeah my partner's on it all the time and he's just like reading the most random stuff and I'm like how did you even but like yeah. what? Because like, yeah. there's so many different opinions on on the platform. So. Oh sure, yeah. yeah it's no, an interesting it's, it's one. definitely. It's yes, it's heavy on the opinions. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. You make a good point. I think we're at a very fortunate time now that there is no shortage of oh, there's information no shortage of information. Like if you I want just, to learn about something. There's a podcast. There's a book. There's there's a way to do it. There absolutely is. Like there is so much resource that there was not mm. 23 years ago. Very lucky. Um, and so I think yeah, there's. There's just heaps. Imagine we were sitting here in 10 years' time yes. saying this has been a really successful 10 years for Glow Capital. Yep. Can you paint us a picture? What does that look like? Oh, yes. Yes, I can. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that I'm really excited about at Glow um, is building up a really incredible team and supporting particularly women, but I'm sure we will get some excellent men at at some point too, but um, really supporting them to becoming decision makers in the firm. So one of the things that Justin and I talked about when we were talking about this idea of of Glow and what it might be is that neither of us want it to be the Kate and Justin show. It does have a ring to it though. Yeah. Well, sure. I mean, maybe that's our podcast. I don't know. Uh, But it's really important to me that we build something that lasts Mm. uh, and which is actually you don't see happen a lot in private equity to be Mm. honest because it does tend to be um, a little bit more personality driven some might say ego driven I wouldn't but um, but yes (laughs) not me I didn't say it yeah so so you see it it often where firms really struggle with the idea of succession and so to my way of thinking it's like no no you've got to build this like it's a business and that means that you need to empower people and hire incredible people and support them through to their journey of of leadership so that, yeah, so that you, like for me it's some founders struggle to give up control. I love it. I love to delegate. It is my favourite, favourite thing is to put together an incredible team of really smart people and point them in the right direction and get out of the way. <laughs> so I guess that's, that's kind of how I think about it is how do, we, how do we continue to, you know, to hire and retain and support and grow the best people and maybe people who aren't, from, you know, a traditional background in terms of what private equity has looked like 
uh, in Australia over the last, you know, 20, 30 years. And yeah, and that we're continuing to support a whole bunch of, I mean, in, in 10 years time, we might have, I don't know, 25, 30 investments in, in different companies. And I expect we will have exited a bunch of them by then, but that, you know, that we will have helped founders achieve their dreams to get to where they wanted to, where they wanted to go on that, on that journey of, I guess, creating the thing that they felt they really needed to make exist. Um, so I'd hope we have, well, in 10 years, I'd want to have like, a, I don't know, what, a billion dollars under management? Yeah. I'm excited to show that we can do it in a values-driven and a culture-driven way um, and in a way that is sustainable and responsible and ethical. Uh, I really think that's possible. And so, yeah, that's, that's what it looks like to me. Can't wait to look back in 10 years' time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exciting. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for, you know, founding Glow and helping to really sort of change the game in the finance space. You know, Soph and I both work in the industry and I do think that people like you are actually really having a good and meaningful impact on, you know, us when we go to work every day. So thank you very much for your time. It's been oh, an absolute welcome. joy. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So such a good chat today with Kate Morris. Please, if you enjoyed this episode or if you can think of someone who is considering starting a business or, you know, has that thing that they need to do, like Kate said, that feeling inside them, please, we would love if you could share this episode with them. Also join us on socials at YRGC Podcast, both on Instagram and TikTok. Really trying to get that TikTok going. (laughs) And the Facebook group YIGC Investing Podcast Discussion Group. It's going off. We've got almost 2,000 members now. We've grown like 500 in the last couple of weeks. So join us in those conversations. Otherwise, you'll hear from us next week. Catch you then. Bye. You have been listening to an Equity Mates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 5406. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 